welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Man, I mean, what a roller coaster we've been on these past three games because it feels like so much has been taking place. But before we get into all of that, let me have y'all see our panelists. First, we got Deem, and then we got two new faces up in our midst. We got Nick and Steven, and we got a good episode heading our way. So to get right to it, let's just talk about this whole thing, because right now, it, it's just been kind of tough to really talk about it, because it seems like the Heat have been on, in my opinion, just a bit of a roller coaster because, and I, I know I've already said it more than once, but I just feel the need to say it again in this type of scenario because we beat the Clippers, a Kawhi-less Clippers, and that's great considering the fact that y'all know our track history when it comes to playing against a team that doesn't have one of their best players. So we'll take that with us. We then play a Spurs team without, well, I don't think they didn't miss anyone, but we still lost to the Spurs. And that was such a tough one because you look at a Spurs team who's been tanking this whole season. You then have the fact that I've been on Twitter long enough to see that there are Spurs fans who literally have Victor Wembanyama as their profile picture. And we let a team like that beat us. So, for me, it was just tough to see that, especially in the manner in which we lost that game. But it happened. And I'm sure anyone who subscribes to YouTube channel saw my 10-minute rant about it. Because it's just so tough to see Miami continue to be inconsistent. And then following that loss, they go to Indiana and they get another win. And while it was great to see Miami Heat win games, it always is. I, I was feeling a little skeptical about this because the basketball that was played in this game was so ugly. Like, even though it was a win, like, it will show up in the win column for sure. It was just not beautiful hoops. Like, I don't know about y'all, but, you know, I was just simply focused on what the score was at the end of the game. and just went from there because aside from that, I don't really know what was going on, you know especially when you look at the fact that there was a couple times where we almost choked the game at the end. But it's Miami Heat basketball. What else are you going to do about it? Overall, I'm not going to sit here. Usually, whenever we do a pod after a win, I'm usually high pepped up or whatever you want to say it. And I'm just like, oh, are the Heat going to turn the corner and stuff like that? But whenever I start pods off with that statement, it always seems like the heat will begin to fall apart. So I'm not going to come in here. We're not going to be gassed up about it. We're not going to be negative about it. But we're going to be in the middle and just simply talk about what we saw this past week. Because Lord knows if we give the Miami Heat any sort of positivity, something is going to go terribly wrong. But aside from that, I just want to know, like, how do y'all feel after seeing these wins from Miami? We'll start off, well, not even win, but wins with this one devastating loss against San Antonio. We'll start off with you, Dean. Um I don't I don't have nothing positive to say about that that <laughs> win last night in Indiana. 
whatsoever. That was the worst game, the worst offensive, the worst game period I've seen all NBA season. Um, We shot 26% from three, and we shot a, a, a pretty fair 39% from the field, from the field goal range. The the game in the whole was just was just bad from both sides. Both sides played bad. Bam started out in the first half. He started out, he was great. I think he was like seven for twelve in the first half. And then he proceeded to go like one for six or one for seven in the second half. Uh it was just all around bad. Uh Tyler Hero, he 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 didn't have a good um shooting night, but I think he did a really good job on uh, dis- uh, distributing the ball and, and creating for others. I think that was one of his best nights I've seen him facilitating. Um, Kyle, on the other hand, he also had a, a pretty horrible game. The bench, they did okay. Uh, Max, I I think what the problem is with Max is we expecting too much from uh, Max. I think we all seen the season he had last year. and and we putting too much on his shoulders. We expecting Max to be what Tyler was off the bench, and it's just not going to happen. That's just not who he is. He's a guy. He's he's a spot up shooter. I mean, he can put the ball down too, but he's he's a shooter. He's a, he's a shooter. That's what that's what Max is. Um, but I don't really want to talk about last night game. I, I want to talk about what Jimmy Butler had to say earlier. Um, I don't know if y'all guys seen. The uh, interview with Jimmy, where he where he uh, said he don't believe that the offense, the offense is the problem. He think is that the defense is the problem, and I I got some numbers uh, for Jimmy Butler. I don't I don't know if he's listening, but if he is, Jimmy Butler, you were wrong saying that the the offense is not the problem, because your team is ranked dead last in points per game. Shooting wise, in the second half, you are the worst scoring offense in second half. In the second half, that means in the third or fourth quarter, you guys do not shoot the ball well. You did like at all. You are twenty first, and and free throws made. You are twenty third in field goals attempts and thirtieth in field goals made. You are twenty second in and shooting efficiency you're 26 and shooting percentage this is the worst offensive team i ever seen in heat history and it sucks that the players on the own team doesn't see the offense as a problem it sucks when the coach the head coach doesn't see the offense as the problem and the president of the team doesn't see the offense as a problem there's not a player out there i know everyone is talking about trades and whatever but and I know we were talking about trades also before the pod started. But there's not a trade out there today that's going to help this team in their offensive problems. There's nobody on the trade market today that's going to help this team in their offensive problems. It's this is a and in the year of 2020 in 2022, I'm sorry, that an NBA team should be struggling to score a hundred points. There, there's no way. This is a top five defense. With a bottom five offense, there's no way that a score should be 87 to 81. And 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 this year, a bet and like it, it's no way. There's it's like we're it's like we watching the 19 
the 1990s basketball all over again. If if we were in the 1990s, this would be the best basketball team in the league right now. If we were in the 1990s, but we're not. We're we're obviously in 2022, and this team is still stuck in in the 90s. It's 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 just horrible, and we it it something got to happen. If not, this is going to be the it, it is what it's going to be this whole season. If nothing doesn't change. I mean, well, damn, D. <laughs> wow, like I said, we wasn't going to get too deep into the negative, but, man, you kind of went into it. So I'm sorry, man. I just I don't have nothing <laughs> positive to say about this team. I'm really I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued to hear what the two new guys have to say because, I, like I said, I never heard. Um, I didn't get a chance to speak to you guys that much, and my guy Kay's here. I kind of got to understand what Kay's going to say, but I'm, I'm really interested in seeing what the two new guys got to say. Right. And speaking of the two new guys, I do want to hear from one of y'all. So let's start off with you, Nick. Like, what's on your mind after seeing these past three games for Miami? I, I mean, I agree there's not much positives you can pull from it. I mean, that last game was horrible. I mean, that like just it was they were down by two points playing like they were down by 20 points with two quarters left to play. They were chucking up shots. I think there was multiple times that Kyle just got mad and you just saw him throwing fits under the hoop. He got that T. He looks like he's done. He looks like he's checked out, especially last night. And, I mean, besides Jimmy and Bam, everyone was pretty inefficient last night scoring. And it, I do agree that this team is – I don't think, like – I think there is a trade that could help. I don't – I think if you add, like, a Bojan or Sadiq Bay, it will help the offense. It's not going to pull it out of the, the trenches by any means, but I think it will help. The bench just needs more help. We're expecting Max to be a high usage player, and they're using him like being said earlier. They're using him like how they used Tyler last year, making him high usage. And Max just needs to be playing off ball and shooting. And when you run a bench of Dwayne Dedman, Victor Oladipo, and Max Struess, and that is that is it, your bench is not going to be efficient. Wait, can, can mm, I? I, I want to ask. I'm I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I no, want to ask Nick a question because I I what he, I, I like what he said. But do you think with with the bench? Mm. I, I want to stay. I want to stay on the bench. So because me in the off season, I was really intrigued with the uh, Vic and Max coming off the bench together. Mm-hmm. So like, like, do you think that with Vic getting healthier and he getting, he, you know, he's He's playing a little more. Cause I, I don't want to talk negative about Vic because, like I said, he haven't been playing, and he's finally getting used to playing. Do you think that it it help Max game? I think so, cause a healthy Vic means Max is a not a high usage player anymore, and Max can play off the ball like he does in the starting lineup with Jimmy and Kyle when he's the six man coming off the bench with no with I mean with. Like like I said, they played Deadman and Vic, and that was it yesterday with Max. So and Vic didn't play that. Vic played 19 minutes. Max played 32. So when Max is playing 32 mm. off the bench, there's sometimes in the game where he has to like. If I see Max taking the ball up, I just want to put my head through a wall. But the, the, yes, and and that's I, why a healthy Vic will help Max for sure. I think because it makes Max a less high usage player where he can play off the ball, and Vic will be your primary primary ball handler off the bench. But it was times where where they throw it in, say they throw it in to Jimmy, and Jimmy would pass it to Max to Max to bring the ball up, and it was just like you know that, I don't think that's I don't like using Max as a point guard. Yeah, I, I I agree. 
Mm. And then I want to get other people into this um, discussion real quick. Uh, Steven, what's on your mind? Uh, so the whole thing with Max Struess. So I do agree. If he's coming off the bench, he becomes a more high-usage player uh, because we don't really have much depth coming off the bench. So I say bring Tyler back off the bench because you can let Tyler pretty much do anything he wants. He pretty much fits more of a combo guard role. And he's more comfortable with the ball. You know, I mean, he won sixth man of the year last year, 20 points per game right off the bench. Um, so if you put Max back into the starting lineup, automatically there's less focus drawn to him because you're dealing with guys like Jimmy, dealing with guys like Bam, dealing with Lowry who can penetrate and create. So I feel if you put Max in the starting lineup, it's going to be more beneficial for Miami. I feel you're going to get a lot more ball movement, to be honest. Um and you'll find Max in his spots because the defense, If once you bring the bench in, he's pretty much the main offensive weapon. And Max Struess, he's not really a shot creator. He's more of a spot-up guy. So I, you know, I do agree um, he can't be a high-usage player for us to be successful. Uh, but I will say this about how the Heat have been playing. Now, their offense is terrible. And one thing that I feel we got to do more is run a pick-and-roll. Uh, they did it a little bit when we played the Clippers. Jimmy and Bam ran pick and roll, and it was actually effective. I feel that's something that Spo doesn't really utilize a lot as a coach. He doesn't utilize pick and roll as much as he should, uh, especially if you were to run it with a guy like Tyler Hero. If you ran a Tyler Hero, Bam at a bio pick and roll, honestly, it would be one of the most unguardable in the league. Yes. When the screen setter comes over, now they have to either commit to Tyler or, you know, watch Bam on a lob. But here's the thing. If you overcommit, Bam has a mismatch on him or he's just open. If you, you know, uh, undercommit to Tyler, Tyler, obviously, he, you know, he can drain that mid-range shot. So, you know, same thing with Jimmy. Jimmy's become a very well-respected mid-range shooter. So it's kind of like the same thing with Jimmy if he ran a pick and roll with Bam. I feel they need to run more of that. It creates more focus to the ball handler and the screen setter. And, you know, typically you kind of see a little more ball watching with pick and roll. So I feel it not only help out with uh, getting into the paint, but potentially getting some more just open looks on the perimeter overall. Mm -hmm. And then let's see, Kay, like what's on your mind, man? I'm dying to hear your opinion, to be honest. Hello, guys. Um, What's up? There's always so much, man. There's always so much. Um, all you guys said some interesting stuff, and I want to tackle it all, but I can't because I can't remember it all. Of course, I've been taking notes, but I'm going to start with most recent um, first. Um, I, I Listen, I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, and I want to make sure I get guys' names right. Um, the guy that just finished talking, new guy, um, Steven, is that mm -hmm. you? Okay. Nope. So, Steven... I hear you, man, and I hear that a lot. You know, get Tyler in the pick and roll, get Jimmy in the pick and roll, and I'm going to address both of those individually. Well, have you guys seen the clip from November 28th? It was after a game that we had, um, and I think it was Jax that asked Bam, um, you know, what is it about the connection with you and Tyler on the lobs? It's like it seems so explosive when it happens, and Bam kind of laughed it off, but he responded, uh, it's just about whenever Tyler gets ready to throw it. And that's the thing. It's like we can want like hell in one hand, 
to see guys in certain actions. But if guys aren't going to execute, it don't matter what we want, what Spo want, what works or whatever. Guys have to actually execute. And all too often, Tyler chooses him. And I'm not calling him selfish. He believes in himself. That's that's his confidence. That's what made him the player he is. But we can't, you know, hope for something that's just not going to happen. Yeah, that'll work. But if guys aren't going to do it, you know what I'm saying? Um, it, it, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, hoping in one hand, pooping in another, which one going to fill up first. Now, to Jimmy in that same scenario, I can use last night in Indiana's game in a great example. You know, guys asked, like, later, um, why wasn't Jimmy running more pick and roll with Bam as the offense was going stagnant? Well, it's like Jimmy has clearly taken a step back all game long because Bam is cooking. And Bam proceeded to stop cooking. So Jimmy immediately felt that and began to assert himself. But it's like, why am I going to go out of my way to get that guy back involved when I need to go ahead and worry about winning the game, which we all can agree because in a low scoring affair, we needed Jimmy to take over and do what he did to close it for us. But it's like, bam, you've been cooking on your own all game. Now, why are you putting it in my, you know what I mean? In my hands to now get you back going. I got to worry about go winning this game for us. You just do your job off of what I do and clean my stuff up since you're not, you know, since you're done doing what you do. Um, That's just the last night of it all. But and, and 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 why you say Jimmy took a step back is because if you look at it, Jimmy is the only guy on this Heat team that can turn it on and off. And and I and I and I hate this because if you want to blame Jimmy for some last night, it's because he you know was passive until the end. But Jimmy's the only guy on this team that can be passive for two quarters, three quarters, and then turn it on when we need to win. Other guys can't turn it on and off. If they try to do that, hence Tyler Hero last night it more often than not messes up. So Jimmy is that guy that can take a step back because he literally, and if you're looking at him, he's consciously and with effort taking a step back to allow other guys to get going. But he's the only guy that can flip it back on in winning time and actually come through. Um, the whole Max and Duncan thing, the whole Max thing out of all, y'all know how I feel about that. I actually think Duncan should start because I think Max does more and he would excel with that second unit. But that takes me to another point. And, and this is something I've really been thinking about over the last week. And I was doing a Max counter last night. And y'all know I love me some Max. So this ain't pooping on Max. I'm just a realist. And this is the gig. This is what we do. So I'm making observations. Max was like 3 for 11 last night. If Duncan had a went one for three, he would have been yanked. Like, how are you going to give a guy $100 million on double-digit attempts and then fail to even get him one? but going to criticize him for not living up to the standard. And they're not playing Max like they played Tyler last year. They're playing Max like they've played Duncan for so long. They're not asking Max to come off the bench and be a 25, 30-point scorer a game. He can do that, but that's a part of his inconsistencies because he'll do that, then he'll come out and give you four points. But what they're asking Max to do is shoot 14 threes and shoot 50% like Duncan did. So you got to find a way – to get that guy some looks if Max is going to come out and have clunkers because, as you guys said, you know, you're asking him to be too high usage. Um, when you look at the rankings that Dean mentioned, he mentioned a lot of good numbers. But I, I referenced that free throw number specifically. Yeah, they're lasting, um, you know, I guess attempts or percentages or whatever, but they, well, you know, lasting ratio percentage. But as far as the amount of them they hit, they're near the top of the league, second to the Boston Celtics. Um, 
also, you look at Kyle Lowry in the Indiana game and you reference his attitude and the way he went about things. Well, he was getting killed last night, even for Kyle Lowry. Like, and that's why I noted it. When you saw Bam dive on Naismith for the ball at the end of the game, which wasn't dirty, he was going for the ball. I appreciated that because that's the same aggressive, I'm trying to kill you mentality that Naismith has been playing with all night. And it's the same one that he got away with when he stepped up under Kyle, which is when Kyle came back down in the following possession, was clearly pissed off and got the tech, which is why he was rightfully in his means to be because the guy stepped up under him. And if any of our guys do that, not only do they get reviewed, but you're wondering if they're going to get tossed out of the game. Um, like I said, man, there, there's so much. If you look at the difference between this season and last season, it's Tyler Hero. That's the only difference. Tyler Hero should be playing 30 minutes off the bench. I've long been there um, since my first podcast. I said that. Um, he just works better off the bench. And that goes back to my whole Max and Duncan thing. I think that Max on the bench with Tyler could help Max and Tyler because Max's versatility will help take some of that pressure off guys like Tyler, will take some of that pressure off guys like Depot, while the pressure they could put on the rim and the on-ball stuff will help get Max some better looks against reserve guys. I think that because you need to try to get something out of that $100 million, I see you guys saying Duncan should get time, and maybe you're right, but because you can't have that sitting on your bench and you need a guy to take those attempts anyway, and Max isn't hitting those attempts, so it's a moot point, it's whether you have Max or Duncan shooting those attempts. You're not getting nothing right now. You try to get something from both of them. I mean, this is a classic Heat team. We mentioned that they were a poor scoring team and that they set basketball back by 20 years against the Pacers. But here's what I like to say. A top scoring team in the league, top 10, top 12, the Pacers, 114 points a game. They held them to one of the lowest scoring games of the season and yes we want the offense to be better but that's because we've gotten spoiled traditionally this miami heat team is a hard-nosed defensive physicality based team even back to the big three era it didn't look that way because we had three guys that could absolutely go get busy and get their own whenever they wanted to so it looked different but they've always been this team and again they should score more but we shouldn't be knocking them for winning a game that was ugly we should be applauding them that they can go win a game on the back of their defense when they don't have it offensively, when they're playing a team that put up 80 points on the Brooklyn Nets and a half, when they're playing one of the best offensive teams in the league, when they're playing a guy in Tyrese Halliburton that can absolutely give you fits on his own, a walking triple-double. So I just feel like we're looking at it wrong. And yes, that's not saying they shouldn't be better or we don't want better. All I'm saying is when Jimmy asked for defense, this is what he wants, because if you ain't hitting shots, you still got to be able to win the game. And the only way you can do that is by getting stops. And that's what we saw. I'm not saying we don't want better. I'm not saying they shouldn't be better. All I'm saying is, is we might have saw something that leads to getting better last night. Stable offense comes off a of stable defense. And that's where I think we're headed. I love that. And see, this is why I love having you on the podcast, because I feel like there's no one that's able to really – get into the positives more than you. So I feel like we kind of keeping it neutral now. We started, <laughs> like, my guy Dean was going a little too, um down to the ground with the negativity, and now you kind of trying to balance it with the positivity. So, you know, we got a little neutral playing field <laughs> right now, to say the least. But before we get um into a little more deeper into this debate, I just got to quickly um read from our sponsors, uh, just so y'all know, the NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknowns. Uh, you know, we still don't know what this Heat team is about to do. I feel like 
There could be so much that happens this season. Hopefully, there will be a turning point. I don't know. I'm not predicting it because Lord knows that will jinx them. So do not take this as me saying there will actually be a turning point for them. I do not want to be held responsible if the Heat go on a 15-game losing streak after this pod. Anyways, when I'm looking to get into on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, New customers can bet just $5 pre, uh, pre-game money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. And, you know, this next game, I believe the Heat are playing the Thunder. I believe, is it the Thunder or the Rockets? I know they're playing one of those two. OKC. It's OKC. Okay. Yeah. So the Thunder, man, I don't know. It's going to be a crazy game. Hopefully the Heat get it done. I mean, because we know that man, Shy has been on a mission this season. So Miami, let's get the dub, please, so that I don't lose any money. But aside from that, download the app now, sign up with the code TBPN, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply, and that's basically about it. And I know, Deem, you got something that you want to add, so the floor is all yours. Yes, even though my guy K was spitting, I do disagree with one thing you said, K. And and I I want to I want to have a, a discussion with you on this. I want you to answer me this: Why was Duncan pulled from the starting lineup last season? I would say Duncan was pulled from the starting lineup because, <clears throat> listen, man, I I hate to say this because y'all know I love me some spo. I think that Duncan was pulled from the starting lineup because it was a classic shakeup situation. Anytime was, Duncan touches the wait, floor, so so you don't think it was I'm, because, I'm, because the offense was was wasn't good when he was in it, and 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 once the shot was falling, he just he had nothing else to to give to the team if the shot was falling. Right. Well, that's what I mean by the classic shakeup situation. Oh, okay. So let let me get there. I'm, I I agree with you. Let's let's get that out the way. I agree with you but let me get to why I say it the way I say it. The shot wasn't falling, but that wasn't the only thing that was, that wasn't working, but you had a guy in max that was hitting. So it goes back to, there are people that know what they're looking at. And we are all those people because we look deeper than what we're seeing, Mm -hmm. but to the average person and to the sports psyche, it's the instant things you can see that convert energy. And it's as simple as if a guy isn't hitting shots, that might deflate. But if a guy come in that can hit shots, that gives you energy. So if Max is hitting those shots, that's the shakeup. So oh, I oh. agree with you. But let me ask you this on the back of that, and I'm going to tell you why I said it that way. Go ahead. And that's exactly my point. You're watching Max do the same thing right now, and I will ask you, well, why isn't he pulling Max? But go ahead. Because because Max does more than just shoot than, than just shoot the ball. His game extends way more out than than uh Duncan game does. And that's why you see Max getting those minutes and that's why you see Duncan not getting no minutes. Max is a better defender. Max is a is a is quite athletic. I when he did that dunk uh what game was that? 
uh, I think it was the Clippers game. I, I said Duncan. I said Max Duncan like a black man. He jumped like a black man. Duncan. I mean Max got some hops, and, and he, he he got some hops, and he's he, he's not horrible on defense like Duncan is. That's okay, why. So, that's why okay, Smoke's not pulling Max because his shots not falling. Okay, so let me address all of that. First of all. Again, you're not wrong. I've been recognizing Big Max and his bounce for two years. I'm still mad at um old boy Will Barton when he played for Denver because Max was about to poke it on his head and he tried to throw him out of the air. I, I mean, I, I know that, but that's my problem with Max. Like, you don't go to that enough. If you 3 of 11, why are you not attacking the cup with all that bounce? Like, bro, you cannot come out and give me 31 and then come out and give me four points. Like, I know he can't. It goes back to what I was saying about Tyler, bro. This aggression ain't at you, Dean. This aggression is at Max. Oh, you know how we get So, man. yeah, all, all facts. I just like to clear that up for the listeners. It ain't you. It's for the listeners. <laughs> um, like, like, yo, that's my problem. It's like, yo, you got all of this game, and you don't get to it. I agree. That's in theory, yeah. I'm keeping you out there because you can do so much. You should be doing more. And that's my whole thing why Max will be better with the second unit, too. You brought it back around. I love it when that happens, but y'all know that. Um, because you can do so much, bro. I get that. But it's like if you if if you can and you not, it don't help me. Like wishing this hand pooping this one. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I agree with you, bro. And that's why I love me some Max. But if you're not getting to that. Then that's, you know what I'm saying? Because if you take it back to the San Antonio Spurs game, and it's another point that I could bring up specifically on that pull-up three off the bounce at the end of the shot clock where he pulled Max and started to play Duncan, that's a situation where it's like, yo, Max, you got seven seconds, all that game, and a tight enough handle where you should pity-pat him, pity-pat him, and go by him. I ain't saying you got to dunk on the dude at the rim, but pull up for the mini. Don't take a 40-foot three when you ain't hitting. I think that's my problem. I think but, that's my whole problem. He but, don't but get remember, to that other stuff enough. That game, Spo did pull Max. He didn't play Max at all in the second half. Oh, I know. I agree. So what and, I'm saying and, and, is, and I, I think I think that was a horrible job by Spo for pulling Max in the second half. I, me I, too. I, that was I, bad. I, that was a horrible I agree. Job. I agree with you. He's done way more egregious stuff than what he did right there. I'm not justifying what Spo did. I'm highlighting all of that because what I'm saying, it played out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's my whole point. All I'm saying is, yeah, I agree. Max got so much game, bro. Max need to get to the rest of that game. And I think Tespo was saying, yo, why didn't you go by him? Like, and that's what we're all wanting. And I agree. If Max was giving you that other stuff on a regular basis that he can do over Duncan, then, yeah, you're justified. But right now he isn't. So I don't feel like that's a leg to stand on. On the defensive thing, Max is a better – on, Max is a better on-ball defender, but that's because he's more athletic. But Duncan yeah. is a better off-ball defender. Like I said, he gets a bad whistle because if you want to score on Max, just cut on him. He never going to see you. I promise. If you cut on Max, you can get a backdoor layup and he'll still be standing out of bounds like he's trying to shoot a three in the playoffs. I promise you. So, I mean, you know, we can argue about that. But let's move on because the guys are tired of us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, listen, I love it though. I love it though. It's like we already see that this came breakdown flow. Um, like, what's it called? Chemistry flowing between y'all two. Y'all ain't even done an episode. Come on, now. don't lob us like that. Don't throw us that kind of lob. <laughs> <laughs> but 
by the way, y'all, so be on the lookout for Biscayne Breakdown coming back soon. So I just yes, want to bring that up. And it's all going to be available on YouTube. So subscribe if you haven't. Anyways, uh, but, you know, aside from that, great topics brought, I mean, great points brought from both both of you guys. I cannot agree anymore. Like, because y'all brought up some good points. Like, I didn't know which side I could really side with because I kind of see where y'all going with it, especially with the Max Drews combo. But at the end of the day, it's just one of those things where we're just going to have to see, you know, because I don't know, man. It feels like this season has been all over the place. So hopefully I can really begin to maintain exactly what goes on with this team and with some of the players. Cause I know a lot of people being concerned with Max and, you know, I really hope he can get it together. And if not, all I know is that he has not played at the level where he can be, you know, expected to earn $90 million like Duncan. So at least we don't got to worry about Miami making that mistake again. Anyways, that's the perfect way to get into our next topic and probably a final topic to close it out because I was not expecting talking about these three games to already go more than 30 minutes into the pod. So <laughs> here we are already with our final topic of the day. And that's none other than Heat versus Thunder. Now, Miami, I really don't know. I'm Like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to change everything and that we're going to turn the corner just yet. I need to see some wins coming up first. I need to see a lot of wins coming. I need to see we above 500 and that we're never going to have any terrible losing streaks that could take us below 500. So, anyways, the Heat are playing the Thunder. Shay, Shai, Gilgis Alexander, that man has been a hooper all season. And the Heat, I, I think they could get the job done. But at the same time, I'm not going to be confident in it because at the end of the day, this is the Miami Heat we're talking about. So I'm not going to give my opinion about this. That's why I prefer to have y'all come on because at the end of the day, I have no problem hearing y'all's opinions about the Heat and whether or not they're going to win games. So with that being said, I want to know, like, what are y'all's expectations for Heat versus Thunder? We'll start off with you, Steven. Uh, all right. Um, before that, just a quick little comment. I dare everybody listening to this and everyone uh, in the pod right now to find a more handsome player than Strucy Lucy. Um, anyway, so the That's OKC Thunder. Strucy Lucy. Oh, yes. I'm going to trademark oh that. Um, yeah, so the OKC Thunder. So here's the thing with them. When Shea is dropping 30 points a night, the Thunder can compete with anybody. And if you look at their backcourt, it's a very tall backcourt. You got Josh Giddy, who's six seven, and Shea comes in. What? He's the same. He's the same height, right? He's also six seven, six seven, six six. I think so. something like that. I think he's a little bigger than Halliburton, maybe. I think he's a little more gangly. Yeah, but you know, still, overall, that's same pretty though. big. Backcourt. I see where you're going. I see where you're going. You know, Kyle Lowry's six one. Tyler Hero runs six five. I mean, Hero's not the smallest guy, but I just worry about Kyle Lowry and then Gabe Vincent as well is like, what, six foot flat? I'm very worried about Giddy and Shea just kind of getting into their spots, maybe taking turns on, uh, you know, Gabe, Kyle. Because honestly, you know, we better pray that Shea does not play because I feel like it's going to be a guaranteed win. It's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a trend with OKC when Shea isn't playing. They really don't stand a chance. When he is, 
they can hang in there. They could be any team on, on any given night. And then if you take a look at guys like Lou Dort, Lou Dort is kind of uh, it's kind of regressed a bit. You know, I feel there was such a high expectation for Lou Dort, and he's just not living up to it. And then you got a whole lot of young guys. I just remember they got Poku. So for all I know, Poku is just gonna cook Bam and just cook us. Uh, seems to be a trend. Just a random player on any team will just cook us. Dwayne Washington almost did that to us. Um, hopefully they don't have a heat cooker for us, but you know, I feel it's going to be a tough game, you know, um, defensively, if we can pretty much shut down Shea, if we can slow him down, I feel the rest of that Thunder team can't really do anything to us. They're very dependent on Shea and how he plays just like, uh, how Tyrese Halliburton is. If he's playing well, the Pacers, they can hang in there with anybody. So I feel the key is just shutting down Shea because Josh Giddy doesn't have shot creation. Lou Dort doesn't have shot creation. Lou Dort doesn't have the greatest vision. Josh Giddy, you know, he's not the fastest guy. So if Shea is uh, neutralized, I don't feel OKC has really any other offensive option to really go up against a Miami Heat defense that is one of the best in the NBA. So, Shea being neutralized is the key. If we can't do that, we may find ourselves in a dogfight. It might be Clippers round two. Could be Pacers round two. So, we really have to hang our hat on defense. And I feel it's going to be the most important thing. Our defense has won us games this season. Our offense has not. It's going to come down to defense at the end of the day, I feel like. Right. And as long as Shea is playing, then, well, you know, hopefully the Heat should get the win because Lord knows if Shea Gilgis-Alexander sits this game out, we're going to lose by 20. I just know it. So as long as he's playing, you know, we can expect the Heat to at least play a good game. And uh, let's see. Uh, Nick, what's on your mind when you look at this one? I mean, going into it, I don't know the exact stats, but I feel like the Thunder aren't one of the – best defensive teams in the league. So you gotta you gotta look to score there. If you can shut down Shea, I agree. You're probably gonna be fine on the defensive end of the ball. And one positive thing for us is their leading rebounder is Josh Giddy. They he gets seven rebounds a game and leads the team in rebounds. So if Bam can be jumping up and getting 17 boards again, that will help tremendously with this team. I just with the revolving doors of centers, when you have a your two guard, even though Josh Giddy is a pretty tall two guard, leading your team in rebounds and it only being seven, you got a good shot there. I mean, Shea's coming off, I forget who they played last, but he had like 42 points and he is hooping this year. He's averaging, I feel like, close to 33 points a game. So it's really just finding a way to shut him down the same way they shut Halliburton down last night. They held him to zero field goals made in a point. And Halliburton's been on NBA All Star level the whole year. So if you can find a way to beat Shea and not let one of these random heat scrub killers get you, we should be fine. But I also thought we would be perfectly fine versus the Spurs and perfectly fine versus the Pacers when we were up 19. So who knows? (laughs) Right. Like, it's just one of those things where you can't just be like, he aren't actually going to lose this game because the truth is we really don't know if they're going to win or lose now and then. So... No, I, I, at the end of the day, nothing is really guaranteed for this squad. 
But, I mean, I just need the heat to shut down saying, like you mentioned, I mean, being able to get those rebounds because Lord knows, you know, I've been having to watch some of these games and feel frustrated when it seems like some of these teams will just get two more chances at getting a bucket every time they got the ball in their hands. So just control the rebounds, especially when you have a guy like Josh Giddy, who's your leading rebounder when you look at that team. So I really like that point you brought up right there. Bam pulling down 17 last night really made me happy. I want to see more from that because I feel like there's so many games where Tyler's leading us with rebounds, and I'm just like, dude, bam, (laughs) pulling down. No, I felt that. I felt that. And then let's see. Kay, how about you? Um, Nick Moon walked all over my main point there, but it's all good. <laughs> uh, basically, I, I, I like I'm gonna get back to it, but the Halliburton shade thing is what I'm gonna touch on. Um, I think Steven said it. I do think Giddy has shot creation, he just can't hit the shot. I think he can do anything he wants on the floor besides actually shoot the darn ball. Um, and another thing about okay, see, I feel like they want to build around Giddy until all of you's points. They play a bunch of guys that are like six eight to like seven eight. Um, and they want Giddy, another big guy for his position, like you guys mentioned, six six, six seven-ish, um, to you know, be the point guard there. I think what they're doing is they're trying to play Shea enough to highlight him, but sit him out enough to still get a top pick. Because I think they want to trade Shea. And if you know tr- Shea's out there to get, um, you give up everything, not named Jimmy and Bam Adebayo to do oh, it. You give up Tyler and any pick. Oh, yeah, that's why I said anything four years anything, for him. Anything not named Jimmy and Bam Adebayo, it can go. Um, so, again, I, I I look at the game against Oklahoma City. I'm confident because of what I saw against Indiana. But let me say this. We've all noted it on the podcast. Me, Joel, Dean, anybody that's been on here with us, we've all noted it. Um, when, the, when the Miami Heat are facing a team that, you know, isn't whole or, you know, a team that isn't themselves, quote, unquote, we look for the heat to let down because it's a classic Miami heat thing and we hate it, but it happens. We've called it and we've saw it play out so many times. So we've dreaded that a lot this season. And that is no different going into this game. However, if either Giddy or Shea is there, I feel like that gives them the thing. Um, now back to the point that Moonwalk, I mean, Nick Moon walked all over. I look at what they did with Halliburton and, you know, I look at, you know, SGA. So while SGA wants to go 48 and 6 and Reese wants to go 2012 and 15, you know, they do it differently, but everything is still built off of what that big point guard does, what that engine does for their team. And, you know, also, as Nick mentioned, the way that we held Halliburton down um, against Indiana, I feel like, you know, that's very encouraging to what they can do, you know, with Shea. Again, they want to do it differently, but at the end of the day, if you can keep that motor from, you know, revving up and hitting fifth gear on you, then I think that, you know, you have a great chance to beat. And let's just be honest, OKC isn't a great team, which is actually what scares you a lot about this Miami team because they get up for good teams and not for bad teams. Something I hit on is something we all hit on again. But I'm just saying they they aren't as good as Indiana is record-wise. So that's another thing that's encouraging. Um, But, you know, like like all of you have touched on, you stop Shea, you should have a great chance to win. And what I saw him do to Halliburton on Monday night um, is very encouraging as far as, you know, stop at SGA. Amen. And how about you, Dean? Oh, you guys are wrong. I'm going to tell you exactly. I knew, I knew Dean was going to say that. I knew he was going to say that. That's why he wanted to go last. But anyway. <laughs> oh, you guys are wrong. I'm going to tell you exactly how Miami won this game. 
if Jimmy Butler comes through those doors and say, I actually want to play basketball today. I, I actually want to be the, the 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 top 15 or top 10 player that I am, and I'm going to play today. That's the only how Miami is going to win this game. That's that that's it. Um, but to what what you guys were saying, I, I believe that that's what um what what Steve said. Steve said uh, somebody brought up how they defended Hollibert. The the difference is between Hollibert and and um Shea is Hollibert is is the main ball handler on his team. Shea is not. Um, I, so I think jo- like Josh Giddy will, will uh set Shea up for a lot of for most of the time like he does even though Shea can get his on his own Tyrese doesn't have guys to to set him up he is the guy who set up everybody he's the guy who set up the points for him he does lead uh Hollibur does lead the lead lead and assist so he has the ball in his hand most of the time unlike um Shea who shared the backcourt with another great ball handler but um I'm really intrigued about this game I want to see how uh Tyler match up uh, um, with probably probably uh Lou Dort or probably a guard a guard Tyler, so I'm 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 really intrigued about this game. All right, and then let's see. I know, Kay, you got something you want to add? I mean, I agree with Dean. That's another way we can win. If Jimmy come in, decide he's gonna be Hemothy James Butler, that top ten player that he is. Playoff Jimmy, Absolutely. um, the guy that drug you to the game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. I mean, people forget that when people trashing Jimmy. I think not none of us here. I'm just saying the general public guys. But I think people forget that this is the same dude that literally drug us to like within a sniff of another Finals last year and the Finals. But as far as the Shea and Tyrese ball handling thing, you are right. Shea does have another guy that can get him set up, but where Shea, and that's, you know, for three quarters, you're going to get a lot of that. But I think in yeah. crunch time and where Shea kills you, Shea's a pick and roll demon. So yeah. like when he running that pick and roll, he is going to have the rock. And I think that's where it's going to be super important for Miami to be able to control him. Cause he's a fool with that pick and roll. I, I, yep. just, I mean, like you can't, that is hey. insane. Okay. Can you imagine Shea and, and, and Holmgren? In a pick and roll together, oh man, Bruh, Can you imagine Shea with Holmgren, Jing, um, Chet? I mean, yeah, Holmgren, Jing, the six eleven wing. Let's say if they can get Wimbayama, and you got six seven Giddy playing safety because he don't want to shoot; he just want to pass yeah, the rebound. Just, that, I don't want to think about that, to be honest. That's <laughs> not, but that's what they're trying to that's, build that's over breaking. there. And hey, Poku's a seven two wing, yo. That's yeah. what OKC been trying to build for three years. Hey, I'm pissed that Chat's not playing because I definitely want to see that, see them guys tonight against well t- tomorrow night against Miami. I think that I agree. Crazy. I agree, but OKC over there like rubbing their hands like the Birdman yeah, meme, like it definitely. was a blessing in disguise. Because like, I they hope had they Chet, don't trade. I hope they don't trade Shay. I hope. They go- but I think that's what they're gonna do, bro. Because if you you build around like Shay is like I said, the pick and roll demon. It love it when it comes full circle. Shay needs the rock. <laughs> to run that pick and roll, right? Yeah. But if you have Giddy who really just wants to distribute, like Giddy, at Giddy's peak, I think he's going to be like 15, 11, and 17. He's going to, he remind so, me, He. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're good, bro. I, I was a Kidd? huge fan of, of Giddy. No, no, no. I was a huge fan of Giddy coming out. He reminds me of a taller Tony Parker. 
I can get that because Tony Parker didn't really develop that midi or either that long range offensive game till late. I give you that. Yes, he reminds me of a, a taller Tony Parker, and which is a great comparison to me because I think Tony Parker is a Hall of Famer, and he did kill Miami in the, in the finals. But hey, that's neither. Absolutely, and you're talking about a guy who got all of that at six seven, six eight. Yeah. So I mean, but that's what they're trying to do over there, bro. Look at look at that roster, man. They're just trying to build a bunch of cats that's like six ten plus that can all do anything. And I'm gonna tell you. I think y'all has, yes, I think y'all has, oh yeah, somebody said it in the chat. Yes, exactly. He's what Michael Carter Absolutely. Syracuse, he's what he should have been. Exactly. But they tried yeah. to convert him into a two guard and a wing after like three years after he left Orlando, gave up on him too early. But yeah, that's what they're trying to do on OKC. Trying to have a bunch of guys that are so big that you can't match up with them, but they can do everything. So if you put a small guy on them, they're going to kill them too. Um, See that, Pat? That's how you build a franchise. I'm just playing. Well, you got to get top draft picks to do that. Yeah, and what we got to say, oh, no, I know. I'm just saying this for everybody else out there, Dean. I love it when you set me up. Like, I'm not, you know, responding to you because I know even, you know, you, y'all, yeah. Joel, too, Nick, Steven, I don't know y'all, but I've heard y'all talk. So I know all y'all know better, but I've been responding to the people. And that's my problem. It's like, yo, in order to get these guys, you have to have top draft picks. In order to get top draft picks, you don't win. Well, the Miami Heat are one of the youngest franchises in NBA history and like a top six or seven winner in the NBA. Like, one thing you can't say about Pat is that he ain't been trying to win consistently over the long haul. Now, you can look at him now, because I looked at him a little funny today, and I hate to say this, but I'm like, come on, Pat. Stanley Johnson, I'm not saying he would have been an NRB all, but why go sign him to the G League only to let the San Antonio Spurs come and sign him Yo, before you I'm, get burned I'm so pissed at Joe that we didn't get on that topic for at least five minutes. How, how do you that do that? Horrible. Yeah, that How do you horrible. do that? that but anyway, I'm, I'm a, a tie ball runner OKC, Joel. I know you over there. Like, I wish they would wrap it up. But... <laughs> um, that's it, man. So, you know, if they able to contain SGA in those crunch time moments where he's doing that pick and roll, which is what he's going to try to beat you with. And I take it back to the wizard shot um, from a couple of weeks ago. Pick and roll. He eventually refused it, stepped him back, nailed that jump. So you got to keep him from doing you like that. And I think you have a chance to win. All right. So, you know, I was not expecting the convo to get to there, but. You know, I love the points both of y'all brought. Joe, oh, you lying. You know we go all over the place. You you expect <laughs> Nah, nah, I love it, though. I love it, though. And I'm just saying to all those who listening, I mean, this is just a sneak peek of what y'all going to see once Biscayne Breakdown turns. So subscribe to the YouTube channel right now. Don't miss it. Anyways, but aside from that, for me personally, I mean, I feel like we all just kind of summed it up. I mean, just shut down shy. You know, if Bam can get his rebounds, that's great. Just go out there and play the basketball that we know you're capable of playing. So let's just kind of get things going. And hopefully, I'm not saying we turn in the page just yet. Like I said, I will not say it yet. But hopefully, you know, if you're the Heat, we can really have something special take place. I mean, Kay, you said it earlier in the pod, you know, after we were talking about that Pacers game. That hopefully, you know, what we saw um, against Indiana will be hopefully the start of something special where the Heat were able to tighten up on defense and that will serve as the gateway to future success. I really hope that. And like I said, I won't say they're turning the page, but hopefully if God is willing, that will end up being the scenario. Aside from that, we basically touched on everything. It's crazy because we only did two topics this whole episode and we're already 50 minutes in. I mean, that's this is constantly kind of crazy. I feel like that's how I know we really starting to get stuff going. I really, I really feel the chemistry with y'all already. The fact that 
we, we usually we only do like four or five topics to hit 50, but y'all only needed two, which is insane. So shout outs to you guys for doing y'all thing. But aside from that, before we close it out, is there anything y'all want to quickly say to those listening? Um, yeah, I, I second your notes and Joel. I say it like this. I'm not ready to give them any credit yet. Um, what we saw was positive. I'm not ready to say we've turned the corner. But like I told you guys last night, um, we, we ain't turned the corner, but we got the signal light on. Now, if we're going to have to turn it off and make a lane switch, that's up for, you know, discussion. But we got the signal light on. I can see the corner. Now, whether we turn it or not, that's on the guys. I couldn't agree anymore, man. Like Miami, the ball is in y'all court. All right. We got... It looks like it should be an easy schedule, but I don't know how y'all would take it. I mean, come on, the Thunder, Rockets, and then y'all rematch against the Spurs, and then a Bulls team that's been pretty struggling, been pretty bad as lately. They've been struggling like crazy. I mean, I know y'all been seeing what's been going on over there, getting to the point where people talking about they should just probably rebuild that whole team. So. Miami, just take advantage of these trash teams y'all about to play against. Let's get this done. And even though, like, let me say this. If y'all can beat those four teams, that's great. I still probably won't say we turn in the corner just yet until I really, really see them wins coming in. But I'm going to still be happy with when y'all get those dubs, assuming that you do at least. But aside from that, I mean, that's basically about it from my end. Um, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Make sure to follow K on Twitter at K underscore said underscore K. And then make sure to follow our two newcomers, uh, Steven at Steven Gets BKTS. And make sure to follow my guy Nick at Nick underscore connect. That's K-N-E-C-H-T. And make sure to follow Heat vs. the World on all platforms at HBTW Podcast. Also, I, I almost forgot because my homie Deem had to walk out for a quick second. Make sure to follow Deem on Twitter as well at B-L-Deem. B- that's D-E-E-M. And like I said, make sure to follow Heat vs. the World on all platforms. HBTW Podcast. We got great stuff coming out on all platforms, and I kept saying it throughout the pod, and I'm going to say it again. Make sure y'all subscribe to that YouTube channel. We really trying to get some good content up there, but we need the support. So subscribe, and we'll let y'all in on what, what the stuff that we got coming headed your way. So subscribe right now before you miss out on what we do. Aside from that, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. And until next time, y'all, hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.